1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joy Christopoulos, and today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, basketball and hockey playoffs, it's coming into the final round right now. Baseball's marquee matchups are happening every single day, and BetOnline has got prop bets, futures, odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. I'm so excited to talk to this guest. He's here today to talk about his book, Trials to Triumph. He's former Chicago Bear, former Florida State Seminole, Freddie Stevenson. Freddie, thank you so much for coming onto the pod. How are you today?
0: I'm great. I'm great. I appreciate you having me on today.
1: So excited, man. Um, And I think for a lot of people that are about to listen to this pod, I think they're going to get a lot out of this. And maybe if we can just kind of start at the beginning, for a lot of the listeners that might not know a little bit of your story which is so, you know, inspirational and and really incredible. Can you kind of just sort of walk through a bit of your background that led into, you know, uh playing obviously for the Florida State and eventually for the Chicago Bears?
0: To be honest, it's crazy that this this story is is making waves now, but it's it's been a crazy journey and starting off early on, we faced a lot of different obstacles and Having to deal with some of those things that we dealt with is ultimately what drove me to get to this level. I don't know if I would have had the drive that I had if I didn't go through the things that I went through. And early on, my father, we had our trials because he was a drug trafficking and got incarcerated, leaving my mother with the hard task of raising five children on her own and times got hard. It, it was crazy. Her, I remember being homeless at times, bouncing around from place to place. Food was hard to come by. My mother, working two to three jobs, trying to make ends meet. And it was tough just watching my mom have to go through that. But as a kid, you don't truly know how bad it is. I tell people all the time, they ask me, how how was things for the kids? Like, man, you're a kid. You're still trying to enjoy life, have fun. Like, Of course, you don't have some of the things you would like, but you just want to have fun as a kid. But I remember a day in particular where we're all walking around. It's like 8 o'clock in the evening. And my mother, she's getting everybody together. And my baby sister starts crying because we hadn't eaten all day. And usually by this time, worst case scenario, we're having a a piece of bread. Like all of us have our own piece of bread to eat. Worst case scenario. So this day we hadn't eaten. So we're kind of wondering, like, what's going on? And my mother, she just gathers everybody together. She starts walking us down the street. And we come across a McDonald's and we walk inside. My mother goes up to the cash register, orders a cheeseburger. And at this time we're looking around, we're like, okay, it's five of us. What are we going to do with one cheeseburger? And you don't want to complain, but it's like, all right, we usually all have at least something for ourselves individually. And at the time we didn't know that my mom, she only had a dollar to her name. So when... The cash, the clerk comes over to the cashier. She tells us the total and it comes out to a dollar and five cents. And later on, when we get into the social media handle, you'll learn the significance by my story. We hear this, but it comes out to a dollar five cents. And my mom, she talks to the cashier. She's like, okay, I only have a dollar, ma'am. Please with it. I only have a dollar. Is it okay if I give you this dollar? I don't have the nickel. Can I get the cheeseburger? And for some reason that day. The lady behind the register, she was being a little difficult. I don't know if she was having a bad day or if her boss was just being hard on her. She's like, "No, I can't. I can't allow you to do that." So my mom, we watched her have to go around McDonald's and beg for a nickel. And at this time, it's like, "Okay, this this is crazy. We didn't know. We had no clue." And after getting the burger, we're like all embarrassed. My mom walks us outside, and she starts slicing it up into five pieces. And she starts sending it out to everybody. And as we're eating, my mom, my big sister, notices that my mom isn't eating. And she looks at her and she asks her why she wasn't eating with us. And we all start looking at each other and we start offering her some of our burgers. And my mom turns it down and just bursts into tears. And that was the moment. That was my it moment. When you think about my whole entire career, everything that I've been through, that's the it moment. That whenever I wanted to give up. That's what I thought. Back to
1: to keep pushing. It's an incredible story. Um, you know your mom. Your mom gets a game ball every day for the rest of her life. Uh oh, I hope you know that. You know my my question is, you know, and, and I do want to get into the impetus for trials of triumph, which we're kind of we're getting into right now. So for you personally, when you were growing up, was sports for you an escape, or did sports sometimes fuel? some of the things that you were experiencing and feeling at that time?
0: I think it was a, a bit of both to be honest. Just an escape for, from everything that we were dealing with and yeah, it just fueled a lot. I remember running around the house and in our environment you have to find you have to find something to to push towards or you're going to get stuck in the shuffle. A lot of people don't make it out because they get stuck in the shuffle and For me, it was it was that football. I used to always run around with the football in the park. I'm that guy with the football. So my mom, she put me in the sports early, and I remember early on, like they probably left them. She probably didn't take me seriously, but I remember promising her that I was gonna make it to the NFL, and she's like, "Yeah, I know." Like kind of rough. I don't know if she believed it or not, but I was dead serious. I'm a young kid, but I was dead serious, and I I was adamant on living up to that promise.
1: You know, my question for you is: Can you walk us through a little bit? of that moment when, you know, you know you're playing you're playing football in high school, did you get a phone call? Was it a letter? How did you find out that you had gotten into Florida State? Can you kind of maybe walk us through that story a little bit and maybe a little bit about what your mom's reaction was like, you know, when she found out that her son was going to not just a big time college, but also going to a school that eventually was going to become a national champion?
0: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. It was my whole entire recruiting process was crazy. When I look back at it, because everybody thinks when they look at my background, like, oh, you were a top 250 player in the country. They think I was just this highly talented player my whole entire career, but that's not the case. My junior season, I had no schools looking at me and I broke my leg. I had an injury that doctors told me that was career ending. I broke my fibula, broke my ankle, lost all the cartilage in my ankle, broke a few bones in my foot. And I remember going back and forth with the doctors they were telling me that my career was over. I just had to focus on being able to walk again. And I'm like, man, it gets heated in there, it gets tense. Like, man, I made a promise to my mom. I haven't, a, I haven't fulfilled that promise. I'm going to make it to the league. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And they had to calm me down. And I remember being in bed now for like four to five months. I'm homeschooled, teachers are coming to the, the house to make sure that I get all my lessons and things like that, or I would have had to drop out of school. And it was discouraging for me at the time because schools were still like kind of hesitant. Nobody was really reaching out. And then I remember, remember it like it was yesterday, like three months after my surgery, UMass calls. And they're like, man, we saw the injury. We think, we think you're a hell of a player and we want to offer you a scholarship. And they were invested in me. They're like, man, if you have to come in here and sit out a year, we're willing to invest in your rehabilitation process because we think you have opportunity to change this program. So Florida State was not even on my mind at the time. I'm just thinking about getting an opportunity to play in college. So when UMass called, I'm like, man, I don't care if another school calls. I'm, I got an opportunity to chase my dream. And I remember crying out tears and joy because during that time, it got dark for me. My My goals, they were in jeopardy. I didn't know if I was going to be able to accomplish them, but I didn't know what, what was to come. Like, every single day after that UMass call, schools are blowing my phone up.
1: <laughs> <You> know, <laughs>
0: nice. my phone up. So I, I wasn't expecting that. I'm thinking at this point, like you think you're, you, you grow up thinking you're a division one caliber player, but as I'm going through the process, you, you kind of have those doubts like, am I that good? And <laughs> Once they started calling, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like,
1: yeah, it's co- like, uh, it's like when you go to the dance and just one girl dances with you and now all the other girls yeah, are also right. like, well, wait, what's going on? This this, he's got some moves. This looks good. Like
0: it's crazy. And then later the week, later in that week, I believe the school that set everything off as far as like power five, division one schools was West Virginia, West Virginia offered, I believe two days after UMass. And it absolutely went crazy. Crazy. Everybody's blowing my phone up and remember, I'm still at the house. I can't leave the house. So when I go back to school, it's a whole, whole different level for me as far as recruitment because schools can actually, you know, they want to see you in person, see if you actually, people on these recruiting sites all the time say a guy's 6'4", he's really six one." so when I get in the school and I'm actually able to meet with these teams face to face, all right, we want him. He's, he's, he's actually six four. So, he's <laughs> It was crazy because I remember schools that were offering me early on, they were coming to see me, and these were schools that I was high on because I didn't think about these other big schools. They didn't start really offering until I get back into school. And those schools come in, the original schools, and they see that Florida State's – I remember was that Florida State, I believe Georgia, Ole Miss, and Kentucky, I believe, were all there at the school. And some of the original schools come in, they're like – yeah, we're not getting him. <laughs> we're not getting him. And I remember um, I couldn't play screen that season. And FIU was a school that was one of my earlier offers. And one of my boys, he was over there. And I overheard the conversation. I'm just walking around kind of observing practice. I overheard the conversation. And this is right after Florida State offers. He's like, man, he just got offered by Florida State this week. And this is my best friend. They don't know it's my best friend, but he's on the sideline with him. Like he just got offered by Florida State this week. He's like, yeah, he, he did. Like The guy literally walked off the field. He's like, man, I'm, I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home. And when, when you talk about Florida State, I wasn't a Florida State fan growing up. I was a Miami guy. My, my, my dad's a Miami fan, and that's all we, we lived and breathed. But I remember going through the recruitment process. Miami, Florida, a few of the um, Florida schools, they were scared off by my injury. And I played the whole process. Even though I'm a Miami fan, I wanted to go there. I treated it like a business. I, my ultimate goal was to get to the league. So I remember going to Miami for a visit. They're saying how high they are on me. And this is the time where I'm still on crutches. And I believe right before the Miami visit, they cleared me to walk in the boot. And I, I told my dad, I was like, man, Pops, I'm going to play this smart to see how bad they want me. And I remember telling him, I'm like, man, I'm going to take my crutches up there. And I'm at this time I'm walking and everything. I'm taking my crutches up there, and I'm going to see how bad they want me. And I get up to the visit, and they had me crutching around. They got all these carts, and they got me crutching around. I man, I don't care. I'm not going to that school. (laughs) I'm not going. I'm not going. And I remember they kind of held off. They were trying to play the wait and see game. Yeah. And down the line, I commit to Florida State. My. And Miami and all these other guys later in the year, once my senior tape came out, they come back. And then do you, you still want to come here? I know this is your dream school. Like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Like, we'll have fun beating y'all next year. <laughs> <So I'm good. laughs>
1: really well played. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that much. Um, I got a couple more questions I want to ask you about the book and then maybe we can go and do a little bit of smile on the field stuff. I want to ask you some stuff about the Chicago Bears. I do want to talk about your book a little bit more, Trials to Triumph. Talk a little bit about, you know, I think a lot of people always ask, like, why did you write the book? I think that's a bit self-explanatory. My question for you is, someone gets your book, they read it, they read that final page, that final paragraph, they shut the book, they close it. What do you want the reader to get out of, you know, Trials to Triumph? You know, what would be your, your dream scenario for that reader to to get out of your book?
0: Yeah, without a doubt. it's And it's, it's crazy. You ask me that, every, like you said, everybody's. Asked me why I wrote the book, and initially it was really to help athletes out that were going through that that transition, just trying to figure things out at the ball. But it's crazy how life works sometimes. This COVID deal, it it made my book like my book released two years ago, and I'm just now dropping the ebook. And I was telling people, I've been telling people like, man, like a year a year and a half after my book releases, it goes crazy. Like it wasn't really doing that well when I first started. But so many things that are going on in the world, like people just started resonating to the book. They gravitate towards the book and resonate with the story. And I believe it's, it's more relevant now than ever. So many people going through trials, tribulations with COVID, people are lo- have been losing jobs, trying to figure things out. And I think a lot of people have been doing a lot of soul searching throughout this time. Some people may be going through depression, whatever whatever the case may be. And I've dealt with all of that throughout my journey. After transitioning, after ball, I was depressed. Didn't really know who I was. My whole entire identity was wrapped up into sports. And I didn't know who Fred Stevenson was after the, outside of the game. Hmm. And I was depressed, going through suicidal thoughts. Like, man, if I'm not playing the game, why am I even here? And I remember just going through a phase where I go back to the a lifestyle. I'm li- I go back to living the street lifestyle just to try to make ends meet. And I'm kind of mad at the world. I'm mad at the world, living reckless. And when you get into times like that, a person that's always struggled, but now I'm a grown man. I got to make make ends meet. So it, it, it was tough for me. And I know even while I'm going through this, this journey, I knew that it wasn't my purpose. And Ultimately, I had to do a lot of soul searching throughout that time. So people that read this book, I think it's going to be a challenge to them. And I've had people come back to me that haven't even, they don't like sports. And this is when I knew I was hard. I didn't know, I, my biggest purpose was to impact athletes Like when I initially wrote the book. But when people started coming back to me, like, man, a guy reached out to me, I believe, about five, six months ago. He's like, man, you don't know how much you helped me. I don't play sports. I don't play sports, never played sports, don't follow sports. Like, I came across your book. I saw it on the internet one day, and then I bought it. I was like, man, you saved me from taking my life. And he was telling me he was going through a lot of things with COVID and things of that nature, lost his job, it put his um, marriage in jeopardy. And he said, my my book helped him out a little bit in his marriage. And it, it was a blessing to absolutely hear that. Like, it was an absolute blessing. And just to hear him reach out and say that I made an impact and now he's able to find clarity, find his find his ultimate purpose, dig deeper and find out what he truly wants out of this life because my book, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate accomplishment I want from this book. People to read this book and they feel like, okay, after reading that story, I know all right, despite everything that I'm going through, there's a higher level that I can reach. There's more that I will achieve with this life just looking themselves in the mirror and knowing that no matter what I go through, you can't stop me. I'm a win. That's why it's called trials of triumph.
1: That is, that's so cool, man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for you, right? I want you to sell a million books, but also when you say stuff like that, I also like had this simplistic moment of like fuck book sales because dude, you just helped. If you help that one dude, right. Kind of get through a hard time through your story and your written word kind of worth it. Right. And so the question I kind of wanted to ask you was and look, it gets a little difficult, right? We're like, I don't want this to be like perceived as comparative. Right. Because you, you you know, you have your story. and And I and I think that some people, as you mentioned, like over this last year and a half has been really difficult for a lot of people. And they've been struggling with things, whether they are mental, financial, their relationships with, you know, whatever, family members, relationship with friends, people that have had to like live alone during this time. So instead of it being well, we're all comparing like how tough all of our stories are. I think a lot of us have had to go through a particular type of struggle to get to a perseverance. And you seem to be at a great place right now. So what do you have any principles? You have like a mantra these days, like on your daily that you're kind of maybe trying to remind yourself, try and tell yourself that maybe, you know, some of the listeners listening to this right now, trying to get through that transition. Working through it right now, that you can maybe impart upon them that that's working for you right now.
0: It's ultimately every single day. is trust. Trust the process. It's trust it. You, yeah. you may not understand it now, and I sometimes I have to like talk to myself, like, man, listen, Freddie. You think about what you accomplished to this point. I had to talk to myself, and that's ultimately what got me out of that struggle. Sometimes in life, we'll get through so much, and some of the things we've been through in the past will be far worse than the things we're going through at this current time, and we will allow that to kind of overcome us a bit. So you have to sometimes sit down and remind yourself, like, how how strong you are, you, you've overcome so much, you're a warrior. When I was homeless, when we were, when I was going through my injury, all these different battle, battles that we had to overcome, none of this, like, we were just continuing to stay focused on the goal and just trusting that things were gonna happen. But I got to a place that somehow I lost sight of that. And I had to remind myself ultimately, like, man, you're a champion. And not just on the football field, we had an opportunity to win the championship at Florida State. But I believe that the way that I've been able to overcome things in my life, it ultimately correlated with the fact that I was able to go on and win a a championship. When I went to Florida State, it was a lot of guys that had been through a lot of similar situations. And I just want people to know throughout life, you just got to trust it. There'll be some things you may not understand. And there's some things even to this day I won't understand, but I, I've been able to build confidence and just speak positive thoughts even during dark times. You, you're not going to understand it. But a lot of these things that we go through, they're to build character. They're to build strength. They're to prepare you for what's next in life. In every single time in my life that I've questioned something or I've had my back against the wall, those are the times I got my biggest breakthrough. So now it's like, man, just trust it. And instead of worrying about why I'm going through why, why I'm going through this, it's okay, now instead of asking why am I going through this and feeling bad for myself, it's like, why am I going through this? What do I need to learn? How can I grow from this? How can it prepare me for what's next? So ultimately staying grounded and, and enjoying the journey. That's really what it is. Enjoying your journey and trusting your process. And ultimately you'll in the end knowing that you'll be all right.
1: Yeah. Well, and the, the funny part about it, too, is when you when people always like look back on stuff, you know, I you know, I, I put in the work, you know what I mean? I, I, and, and when you're not when you're putting in the work in the moment, I don't think you realize that, like, that's the stuff that leads to the really good stuff. And I try and simplify you. You put on the NFL uniform. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you did it, you know, and, and when you go through hard times, I always try and think that they're just trying to prepare you for the opportunity of success and you want to be ready for success because when it knocks on your door you want to open up and be ready to roll so when things aren't going well i always try and sort of feel like those things are preparing me for that moment because when that happens i you know i want it to work out for me as best i can if that makes any sense
0: yeah it's it's a quote out there that i love and it's it's absolutely spot on what you just said it's like I, i believe it's So many people want to skip the process, but not knowing that when you skip classes, you miss lessons. Yeah, that's
1: good.
0: You have to to go through some things and you have to embrace those challenges. If you truly, if this is truly what you want, you have to embrace that challenge that's going to come with it.
1: Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, moinkbox.com. Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary at the time said it was the best bacon he'd ever tasted. And you know what? I tasted it too, and I agree. Question number one for you. Why do just four companies control 80% of the U.S. meat industry? Because big food crushes the little guy. You can help change that with moinkbox.com. Question two. Why are 97% of chickens served in the U.S. dipped in chlorine? Simple because big food doesn't have the same quality standards as the family farm that's why you need moinkbox.com and finally the best bacon the best steak the best chicken and best salmon you'll ever eat won't come from the grocery store you will only find it on the family farm caught by independent alaskan fishermen that's why you need moinkbox.com so what are you waiting for join the moink movement today go to moinkbox.com slash believe b-l-e-a-v right now and listeners to the show get free bacon for an entire year with every box ordered i'm going to repeat that free bacon for a year with every box ordered that's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but only for a limited time, so you have to act now. That's right. Go to moinkbox.com, M-O-I-N-K, box.com, slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. That's moinkbox.com, slash believe, and get free bacon for a year. Now, back to the pod. If it's cool, we're going to transition over a little bit to talk about some – I just want to get some perspectives on some on-the-field stuff for you. Uh, let's just go back to Florida State real quick. Can you tell me maybe one or two things – now, look, I played – sports in junior high and high school, but I, you know, I've been on some teams. I've been on some shitty teams. I've been on some good teams. And sometimes you kind of sort of get an idea of that little hint of when you're on a good team. So obviously you guys went to the national title game with Florida state. Were there a couple of things maybe on the field or even off the field intangible wise that you picked up early on that said, you know what, man, like this team, there's something about us that I can't, maybe put my finger on, but I feel like we're a successful team. Did you get that vibe? And what was that?
0: Yeah. I got, I got the vibe early on when I was in fall camp. It's, it was just a feeling. And part of you, you, you don't truly know, but it's like that it moment. I don't, I don't know. Like we didn't, I can't say we knew we were going to win the the national championship, but she's like, man, you, you, you know, this team has a chance. And I believe it was in fall camp one day and just seeing how everybody approached the game. But this was, I think we were, we had one of those practices and everybody, I think it was a a day. We come out for the second practice at night. Everybody is out there like, man, I just want to like go home. And then a fight breaks out. A huge fight breaks out and between two guys, a little brawl happens. And then after that practice, I mean, after that fight, everything just comes together. And I promise you like, Throughout all our practices, that may have been the best practice we ever ever had while I was at Florida State. Everything, everybody's firing on all cylinders. And when you think about it, that 2013 National Championship team, all that NFL talent that was on that squad, like, I tell anybody, like, man, listen, that practice, that practice right there, everybody was on somebody's highlight tape. It was, it was back and forth. It was like a, a heavyweight fight, those old school heavyweight fights. And everybody, everybody wanted more. Like, they ended up running us, running like, I think it was one of those practices where you're tight, you're tight for time. The second practice is a little tight for time. But it's like, nah, man, guys kept wanting to keep going. And I think back to another situation when, when I enrolled early in the spring. And a lot of guys still aren't there yet. They come in the fall. But I remember a scrimmage where we're, we're in full pass. Scrimmage where we're on the goal line at the end of the scrimmage. This is the last, last part of the scrimmage. And I believe we ran like, what, 25 to 30 straight plays on the goal line. You're only supposed to run like three to four. And they just kept the ones in there the whole time. Oh, my and God. They just, kept, they just kept lining it up. And I'm like, dang. And I'm, I'm coming in. I'm a two. I'm trying to get on the field. But they the guys like, man, nah. Nobody, nobody on the offensive side wanted to leave. Nobody on the defensive side wanted to leave. I remember running back James Wilder. He has broken ribs. We didn't know it until the next day. He cracked his ribs, but he kept going. And just that moment, I was like, man, we, we may have something special. But I didn't – it wasn't really – I didn't really know for real until we got into fall camp. And once that moment ha- happened in fall camp, like we're going to have the opportunity to do something special. And when you're on teams like that, you just don't want to let – you don't want to let them down. Me coming in as a freshman – All these guys that hold each other to the highest standards, you don't want to be that guy that messes it up. So you got younger guys now that they may not understand it, but they know they're not going to get cussed out by this older guy right here. So it's everybody holding each other to the highest standards. And I believe, ultimately, guys from the second level, third level, like I tell you, it was a anybody can get a team. We got the guys that are on the twos, guys on the threes, embarrassing guys on the ones. So when they get out there on Saturdays, like man, these little these these young cats on our team right now are better than these guys were playing. We were hungry, and ultimately, believe the reason we were able to win a championship is a lot of that. It was trials and triumph. To be honest, a lot of guys on that team have been through so much, and they were hungry, and we had the right the right group of people to connect with each other, and those battles ultimately brought us closer. I tell anybody all the time in 2014 those teams after 2015 2016 the rest of the rest of my years at florida state i knew that we didn't have the the squad that we had in 2013 and honestly the 2014 team was more talented to, than the 2013 team but you knew right away like man something missing from the squad like, you just know and it was hard trying to implement that within the team and try to get guys to understand. But it just wasn't there. Teams that have it, they have it. And you know when they have it.
1: That's the beauty of sports, man. It's it's ethereal. It's intangible. I'm so happy that you told that type of story because maybe you do feel it in that moment. But now, like, when you look back, you're like, oh, man, that right there, like, that's the shit that that made us, that set us apart. Mm -hmm. And when you get into it and look like you're on some teams, and I I don't want to get this wrong for people that maybe – don't play a lot of sports or whatever. You're still going out there, and you're trying your hardest. You think you can win every single game. You think you can win on every single play, every single down, no matter what it is. But, yeah, as you mentioned, it's just sometimes those. The, it's the little stuff that you can't quite put your finger on. And I think what for what you're talking about is that the threes, twos, and ones, you know, the threes weren't maybe just trying to play a role. I mean, they were they were trying to compete just as hard as those ones were. And it just it raised all the boats, right? It just raised all the boats and maybe it made playing uh, football on Saturdays a little bit easier. Without a
0: doubt. And I think when you look at these these great teams, they do the, the little things, the small things exceptionally. And when I go and look at the other years where I was there, we didn't necessarily have the same level of success. Guys, they did they did all the the great the big thing great, but it was the small things they couldn't do. The the fundamentals, they couldn't execute those things. And those are ultimately, when you get down to it late in the season, Those are that's what wins you games It's, it's blocking and tackling. And the most simplest thing guys weren't willing to do and just having that commitment early on in that 2013 season and having the young guys commit to that process, I think that's what separated us.
1: Talk a little bit about your experience um, playing for the Chicago Bears, you know, just going to camp, putting on the jersey, having the C cross your helmet and, uh, you know, I believe it was t- 2017, correct? So that's with John Fox, correct?
0: Yep, John Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a cool experience. I come in and I'm. A, I'm. I'm a guy. I came in early. I came in early with a with a mindset that kind of kind of shocked shocked people. A lot of rookies are just trying to find their way, and I don't know if it's going through what I went through or just playing at Florida State. I also, I really believe that it prepared us for the league, but. They didn't expect me i know they didn't to come in that early and make an impact like that but my mindset, well i believe early on even being a rookie oh man i'm a i'm a pro bowl caliber player i'm an all pro type player and i'm coming in with that mindset but um i think it was a great experience and a thing that shocked me a little bit about the league was people i know the rules have changed but how much free time we had but man it's, it's crazy like we get done with practicing we got all this free time like in college after this, like we would have tutoring, this, that, the third, like, you don't really know what to do with all this free time. It feels like a whole new day when you're in the league. Cause in college, you had to do so much, but um, it was definitely a great experience. I think one thing that kind of shocked me about the league is just the, the political side of it. But I know a lot of guys have to deal with that. And it was definitely weird for me.
1: So I'm going to ask you um, a nerdy question, not to derail this too much. Do you remember, did you cross paths with Cameron Lee, offensive offensive lineman? He was in camp that year, 2017.
0: I believe so, yeah.
1: Yeah, so long story short, he's a former co-host of mine. He used to co-host Believe in Bears. We did the entire season last year together, and he was on the team sixteen seventeen. And actually, I think eventually got into a game towards the end of the year. He was on those Fox teams. And not to blow up a spot or anything, and we don't have to get into names or specifics, but he also talked about how – there is, a, there is an underlying story going on in an NFL football locker room about how coaches kind of have their guys, right? Like they get hired to bring in certain dudes or they recruit certain guys or maybe they were in the room when they made the sixth-round pick on so-and-so. And as much as like the NFL talks about it being a meritocracy, it isn't always like that on the political side. Am, am I Am I wrong saying that, that sometimes – Maybe other guys, it isn't just a, it isn't just a straight talent competition, you know. Sometimes certain coaches kind of like certain guys maybe a little bit more.
0: I tell people all the time they try to like a lot of guys we we've we dealt with it. I tell them i like, man, listen, ultimately NFL it is what it is. Guys are talented, but it's no different than your, your your normal working class job. You have got people that. They get opportunities that they may not necessarily be deserving of, and that was that was weird for me, especially in this game. Like, man, listen, you you sit back, you like, do they want to win? Like, do they truly <laughs> want? Like, do they truly want to win? And I think ultimately, for some of these guys, they may have they have relationships outside of the game. So this guy may have a relationship with this guy's agent, so he may be protecting this guy a little bit.
1: Or and, the coach went to some school, yeah, and then the guy's yeah. the alma mater from there. And then, and then, and, and as a fan, we're watching the games. And then week eight, week nine, maybe gets a guy. A guy gets an opportunity, and we do the whole thing. Well, where the hell has this guy been the whole time?
0: That's why the whole I hate when I hate when announcers say, "Oh, this guy's fresh off the couch." Oh man, I could find you <laughs> ten guys right now that are better than the guys starting. On the roster. I could find you that right now and that's I hate it cuz there's so many guys that get screwed over in in this in this system just because of these reasons but it it, it comes with it and it it like you said um I kind of knew that was what was taking place in my situation early on and I'm a guy that I play I play running back I play h back I was a guy that did a lot so I'm not really worried about it it just bothered me when we're getting in the preseason game cuz I'm playing I'm playing all these things and practices like we had a whole bunch of backs go down and count and they didn't sign backs because they knew what I could do with the ball in my hands. So that was a testament to what I could do. They gave me opportunity and I remember going into games and I felt like they were limiting my opportunities. I remember being on a two minute drill and they're having me in on all the pass protection plays and they started taking me out. It's two minutes before the half. So anybody, you know, the game, two minutes before the half, you can mix in a few runs. Sure. So they, they got me in on a few pass, pass protection plays, and they take me out, bring another back in. when And this is getting towards the end of training camp. So i was like, all right, this is – cuts are starting to happen. They're taking me out when we run the ball. I'm like, yo, like, what's going on? Like – and I, I kind of had a feeling what was taking place. I mean, they're, they're not trying to get me any film running the ball because that will give me an edge. Like, anybody that knows the game, practice and the game are two different things. You can kill a guy in practice, but ultimately – If he's getting more opportunities in the game, who's going to win that uh, that battle? So I think that's um, what happened with me. But I was, to be honest with you, when I left, I thought that with everything that went down, I was like, man, I'm going to get signed tomorrow. But going through that process, it was weird for me because a lot of teams were scared off. I remember teams reaching out to my agent and people in my camp, asking if I had character issues. And it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was definitely weird for me. I remember workouts, like thinking, I'm, I'm telling my family, like, man, they're going to sign me. I killed this workout. I'll be good. I'm probably going to be on this team. So y'all get ready. And I go back to meet up with the team and they're asking me about things that went on there. I don't know if they're trying to set me up to talk bad about a guy or what. Cause I know these situations that happen. Like you go back to the combine, they're just trying to test you. Oh man, I'm going to go talk bad about them. This is a new opportunity. Like I'm not worried about that, but It was like, like, what happened with this battle? We thought you would've won this battle. And it just wasn't meant to be. And they're pulling up the film. I'm doing my job in the film. So it, it was definitely weird. But one thing I will say for guys that are dealing with these political situations, training camp is coming up soon. You can't like, sometimes some things are outside of your control, but ultimately when you're that guy, you're fighting for opportunity, you're fighting for a shot because there are a lot of guys that weren't supposed to make it in this league and they did, but it's, you can't make a mistake. And when I look back at my story, I remember a game in the preseason against the Titans. They gave me a carry and I I can send you the clip.
1: They
0: gave me a a carry, a fullback dive, And I broke a few tackles. It was a great run. And I get the first down, but I reached out for it. And my knee was down, but bodies were covering it up. A guy pokes it out. So they call a fumble on the field. And I knew, I knew when I went to the sideline, I was like, man, they've been kind of trying to limit my opportunities. I feel like this is all they were looking for to cut me. And so the guys out there that you're going through this training camp battle, it's not to put any pressure on you, but you got to be perfect.
1: Yeah, especially when you're trying to come into the league. And look, I've heard other stories too of, speaking of what you're talking about, a team will maybe tank um, a recommendation on a guy because they like the guy and they don't want him to go to a certain team, but by the time that they get their roster to get, they don't have a spot for him. So they're kind of screwing over the guy. And also I hear stories too of we see coaching changes all the time in the NFL. If you're a guy that's trying to get some run and try and get some snaps, all it takes is maybe for a coaching change and a scheme change, and maybe all of a sudden your skill set doesn't exactly fit into you know, maybe what the team's trying to do. And, and and it's it's not the player's fault. It's just kind of what sort of happens. And sometimes I think I think a lot of fans take for granted. You know, the right place, the right time. That definitely kind of exists in the NFL every, for a lot of guys. Every, you know?
0: every single time you see yeah. so many players, if they could be the greatest player in the world, but if they go in the right system, it, it can actually the wrong system, it can absolutely break them and kill their career. Yep. How many guys have we seen over the years that we thought were going to be stars, but like, man, this organization failed this guy.
1: Or the other yeah. side, why does why does yeah. Le'Veon Bell suck all of a sudden? You know what I mean. Well, I, I, he probably still just as talented as he was, but if you saw him in Pittsburgh, they were running him out of the slot. They were giving him a ton of carries. He was getting into a rhythm, so on and so forth. You know, so you never know how that new fit is always going to work, despite maybe the talent in the player.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. And um, I think Le'Veon's situation. I think it may be a situation where he's he's realizing talented guy but i think he's realizing now that the grass isn't greener on the other side it's because yeah he's a talented guy but like you said now people are questioning if he's still good and i've seen him and he's still the same Le'Veon, on in great shape but sometimes you come into these systems and your opportunities may may be limited because now you've built a reputation for being a bad locker room guy so one bad situation at this new team and now your opportunities are limited. So I I think it may be a situation where he, he may have hurt himself a, a little bit and a team is going to bring him in. is like the Leonard Fournette situation with the Bucks last year. Shut up and prove yourself. And Leonard Fournette did that. That's what situation um, Le'Veon Bell Bell's going to have to be, be in to be successful.
1: And just, you know, throwing out, you know, Kenyon Drake, you know what I mean? Great situation in Arizona. Does he get that same type of run in Oakland with Josh Jacobs? You know, on and on and on. My wife's a Steelers fan, so – a hardcore Steelers fan. So hearing you say that about Lev Bell, and I always thought AB, they should just, they had it, they had it set. They had it all figured out out really? there. You know what I mean, they should just rolled with it. So wh- what's your vibe on, um, let's talk about the fullback for a second. In some cases, I think you could probably say across the board, it's kind of like rock and roll. It's not very in vogue right now, but the fullback always has had its place. I grew up, you know, loving the fullback, you know what I mean? Beyond just a Mike Allstott or whatever, I, I just thought it was an integral part of the game and you see it with like teams like the Ravens and the 49ers they use the fullback position very successfully where do you think the fullback position is right now in the NFL and do you really think it do you think it'll you know make a comeback at some point
0: I think it's it's not not where it needs to be but it's a combination of two different two different things you don't have guys that can play play the position hmm. to the level that is expected because of the fact that fullback isn't looked at how it used to be looked at. So guys aren't getting those reps in. But also a lot of these coaches, and you, you even find the old school coaches doing it sometimes. They're not committing to a fullback. And that's why I, I like um, teams like the Ravens, the 49ers, they committed to a fullback. They committed to having one, having one there. And they got two of the best in the league. You got the Sue Ricard and Ricard is probably
1: use check still, right? Isn't he the other guy too?
0: Yeah, he's 49ers. He's arguably the best in the league. I think he's the best. Then you got Ricard. He's he's one of the best. And he's a bigger guy, but those are guys that really, really do their thing. Shout out to Sherman as well. Anthony Sherman for the Chiefs. He does a lot of dirty work. I feel like he's been they, they don't give him they don't give him much flowers. That's a guy I've been watching for a while, and he's been doing it for a while. The fullback position when you got a good one you got to keep them. I don't care if the position has phased out or not. When you got a good fullback, you keep them because you see what it does for teams like that, like the Ravens, the 49ers. When they have a true great fullback, it does wonders for your offense. I know a lot of teams try to implement tight ends into that role, but a lot of them aren't used to it and they really truly don't want to commit to that role. So when you got a fullback that's willing to do that dirty work, can provide in the passing game and on special teams, you commit with them, you commit to them, and you find a place for
1: them. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Um, I'm so glad that you did because, yeah, you see a lot of heavy tight end sets now. You know, you see teams trying to do the two tight end thing. The Chicago Bears, I think, with Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, I think are kind of in that mold a little bit. But in my opinion, yeah, I kind of miss the Jason the Jason McKee, uh, you know what I mean, breaking up that interior seam and getting things going. And I think, you know, for Bears fans are like, we get off the bus running the football, I think the fullbacks in the offense have been kind of integral in that in previous years, and I understand that the NFL is moving more towards a modern game, but the the fullback position I, I always just found to be really fun because you can always run them in a flat. You know, you can always block interior. But with the tight end, yeah, just expand a little bit more on because it just seems like you either have a tight end who's a pass-catching tight end or a blocking tight end, and it's kind of hard to find guys that like doing both.
0: Yeah, and even when you got – a blocking tight end and you try to put them in the fullback role, a lot of people, they don't understand how tough fullback is until they have to do it. Like, man, this position is tougher than I thought it was. So it's definitely tough, and to get a guy that's fully committed, that's why you see these guys, that they're blocking tight ends or or whatever, and then they get in there and they're not really laying the hammer or they're not creating openings for, for the back. A lot of guys aren't willing to commit to that role. It's a whole different monster. That's why fullbacks are a different breed. When you think about a fullback, you're thinking about a, a Mike Tyson heavyweight fighter. Every single down, you got to bring that hammer. I, that's that's what it is. You got You have to have the mentality that I'm going to knock this guy out. I'm going to like that's your mentality as a fullback. Even and you're going to get caught sometimes, but you're going to have to get up and, and throw another uppercut. And that's yeah. a fullback's mentality. And a lot of guys aren't willing to commit to that. And in today's game, you also have to be able to move in space. And it's a little weird for guys that aren't you aren't used to that because coming into that role, like you look at it, you check. they do a lot of different things with you checking that 49ers offense um, options and sweeps and he's out there cutting guys down in space. And a lot of Titans, they get in and they're not really really used to that. They're more so – you see Titans get in at the fullback role and, and they're just really trying to get in the way.
1: Yeah, the Bears ran uh, J.P. Holtz, I think, at fullback at one point. Uh, not last year, but the year previous just because they – we're throwing the kitchen sink at the offense, just trying to figure out yeah. ways, yeah.
0: That's why people, you have to, and even if you don't have that guy on the roster, you have to find a guy that played the position before, was decent in college, even if it's a rookie. You have to, oh, we're going to take this guy on the wing. He's not there yet, but we're going to mold him into that role. And when you look at a lot of the great fullbacks over time, you go back and look at some of these guys back in the day, in the early 2000s, these guys had opportunity to be on teams where it was multiple fullbacks. So in the, oftentimes the guy that was younger went on to be the greater fullback because he had time to learn and really master the position. So I, I think a lot of the times these coaches, they need to commit to having one on the team. And even if you're hiding them on the practice squad, just to get him those extra reps because the, the position is valuable. And you, you see it, you saw it a lot when Belichick and Brady were making their run in New England. How, And I'm surprised more teams didn't copy it after that because when you got into those playoffs, you saw how they were able to dominate and dictate things with the running game and that fullback.
1: I'm right there with you. I'm I'm surprised that it isn't utilized more in the NFL and you see the teams that do utilize it and they're successful. So I, I that's the part that I don't quite understand. And obviously, uh, just like everything in sports, it kind of goes in trends and cycles and we'll see what happens from there. I got two more for you. Freddie Stevenson here on Believe in Bears, also talking about his book Trials and Triumph. Two questions I have for you. The first one is, I just want to get your take on the Chicago Bears heading into this season. You know, we have a defense that has a lot of, you know, known commodities on it. Maybe a year older on the calendar than they were, you know, obviously the previous year. Your take on that defense. And if you could sit down with the Chicago Bears fan right now, who's obviously just drooling at the mouth to see Justin Fields, you know, out there week one against the Rams on Sunday night football. You know, what's your take on? Um, what your advice would be for the development of Justin Fields and your overall take on the Bears in 2021?
0: Okay, yeah. I, I'm, especially with things that are going on in your division, I'll be, I'm excited about the Bears this year. You got the Packers, they were running the division for years, and Aaron Rodgers isn't there. So it leaves the door wide open for the division. And looking at this Bears roster, they brought in a lot, and they have a lot coming back. I like the, the addition of Marquise Goodwin. I, I like I like bringing in true fun, the seasoned guy. Then you got Eddie Jackson coming back. But, guys, don't forget, Ed, Eddie Goldman sat out all last season. Yeah, dude. He's coming back. So, putting him alongside Akeem Hicks is, is huge. And one of my favorite signings, just, just being there, being around this guy, having played with him in college, and just seeing how the Bears organization lo- loves him, bringing Christian Jones back.
1: Oh, Hell yeah.
0: I love I love that signing and I know they hated to have him leave out of there so for them to bring him back I think that I think that's huge but like everything man it's all dictated off the quarterback play. And last last, last few years that's where the Bears have struggled with it and I think Justin Fields there, there's reason to be excited about him. Go back and look at that that Clemson tape. There's reason to be the, his ceiling, his ceiling is a is a it's, it's a very high ceiling. Yeah, dude. So, I just think it's about not rush not rushing them out there too early. You have a guy, Andy Dalton, that's had success in this league. So you know Justin Fields is your, is your guy, and he'll take this offense to completely different levels. And I do believe he's the guy for this offense to go to that next level. But just ultimately having him learn as much as he can and. Once you feel like he's ready, roll him out there. But don't feel the need to rush him out there because Andy Dalton can lead you to wins. But Justin Fields will lead you to championships.
1: Quick follow-up on that because you played the game at the highest level. I've I've been having this conversation with a lot of guys. And, you know, you you don't want to rush Justin Fields. You want to have him. In theory, you want to give him that full week of practice and prep and install and walk in, you know, on that first drive maybe with the first 15 and get going and, and, you know, start his career that way. If Andy Dalton comes out in week two and throws, what, two, three interceptions in the first half, let's say, but the Bears are still in the game, they're only down by a touchdown, but Andy's playing terrible, are you the kind of guy that would throw Justin Fields out there like in like a dirty inning, you know what I mean, bringing a reliever in with the bases loaded, or would you maybe try and prefer to give him that kind of clean slate, starting fresh whenever he does start his career with the Bears?
0: I think it just depends on where Justin Field is at. If we if we yeah. see early on that he's our guy and he's ready, then then roll him out there. But if we still have a few questions, I think you can you can absolutely cripple a guy for for a lot of his career if you if you throw him out there too early. Yeah. It'll absolutely kill kill their their mindset um and kill kill everything about him. They're going to question and everything. So if he's ready, roll him out there. But if, if you have questions about it, soon. We may just have to get, and you don't. You hate to say this as a team because you want to win, but we may have to. We may have to run the time off this clock and just keep the ball out of our quarterback's hands and try to win this game with defense because
1: we do not want to kill our quarterback spirit too early. Well, I will tell you, um, there will be four million. 400 million Bears fans that will know exactly when Justin Fields is ready, right? And they'll be yelling it from the stands the whole time. Freddie, before we get you out of here, man, I just want you to talk about your clothing line, dude. I just think it's such a cool artistic endeavor on your part, Triumph 105 clothing line. Just tell the good people about it and, you know, maybe a little bit about the style, maybe one of your favorite pieces of clothing and where they can find it.
0: We got we got our favorite shirt on right now. It's a culture shirt. The It's that's, that's
1: pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, the,
0: the motivation behind it. To be honest, the same thing with the book. I tied, I tied so much into this brand, and there's so much that we're still, still building. But I just wanted to show, show people that even after a dream ends for you, that that isn't the end. And a lot of people coming up, they think that they have to be an athlete to make an impact, and a lot of their goals and and visions are based off of that. Like, all right, man, I'll play the time, play my time in the league, do my time in the league, and then I'll build, build my my portfolio after. But you can still make a huge impact in this world, even if you never touch, never touch the field, even if you aren't successful, and even after you're done playing the game. And that's what I'm ultimately trying to show, show people. I got the code the line and it's so much we're getting into a guy that I look up to and is a role model is Master P. I've seen I've seen what Master P is doing, man. Just... No limit, man. There's no <laughs> limit to what you can do. When you look at Master P every single time. He's Dude, doing he's on like
1: everything. 25 years now. He's still doing it 25 years.
0: And he got he got the, the snacks. Every store you see a whole bunch of snacks and different things. And Master P's name. He has a clothing line. Like, man, listen. Y'all can say whatever you want about, oh, this is cheap, this and that, and the third. He's not going to keep rolling it out if it ain't making money. To see him in all these different business, turn himself into a biz- business mogul, that's absolute gold. So, that's ultimately what we're trying to we're trying to show people that all right, man, it didn't work out with athletics, but we still can do so much in this world. And yeah, a lot of my clothing has the motivational aspect to it, but it has a little fashion sense as well. And man, listen, I used to spend a lot of money in college on designing. Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of money. But when I was in college.
1: So wait, early, wait, wait, were you? Like, uh, were you a T-shirt guy, like a jeans guy? Were you a shoes guy, like, or were you like a hat, like accessory apparel guy? What was your like fashion indulgence of choice?
0: I used to have a lot of shoes. Like, I remember yeah. a lot of shoes, and then I was the guy. Whenever we got our checks, they called me Gucci, Gucci, Gucci Freddie. <laughs> whenever we got our checks, I was in the Gucci store. Like, I remember when we went to the national championship, and I absolutely—it's—it's it's a funny story because I went one day with a group of guys and I went in there and I was just checking out the store to make sure it had what I wanted. And then I went and walked around to other stores in there, and they were like treating me like crap, thinking I wasn't going to spend money. Then I come right back in there and I'm like, yo, I want this, 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 this. <laughs> and they're they give they giving me wine, like champagne. like yes. So the, the next year when we come, and this was in California, the next year when we come to California, I was like, man, make sure Fred don't spend all his money in the Gucci store. So... At this point. Give them the wrong like an store angry.
1: hours. Tell them, give them the wrong store hours. Oh no, it's it closed. Sorry, Freddie, it closed.
0: But at this point it was, it was me like, man, these brands are already, they're already rich. Like I've, I've been able to build a platform for myself. I'm, I'm not, they're going to be rich regardless whether I buy or not. So at this point I've been able to build a brand for myself. So why not push, why not push my products? Anytime I go around, you're going to see me in my gear and I'm going to make sure that I'm a guy that prides itself on looking good. So people ask you where you got your outfit from. I'm like, all right, go on
1: that triumph105.com. <laughs> That's awesome. Freddie Stevenson here on um, Believe and Bears. His book is called Trials to Triumph. His clothing line is called Triumph 105. You can check that out. Freddie, man, Um, you know, we were just meeting for the first time, dude, but really great talking to you, dude. I'm so happy that we were able to connect. I'm so happy that you were able to come on this pod and tell our listeners your story um I really appreciate it dude. If you can if you can real quick before you go just tell the people, you know, Twitter handle, how to find Triumph 105, how to, you know, you know, I'm sure the book is available anywhere. Just tell anyone how, you know, they can get their hands on some of your stuff right now.
0: Okay, well a doubt, my my Twitter, Instagram is strugglemade105 and for you guys that, that are going to listen to the story, if you're still wondering what the significant was, it goes back to the beginning of the story with the dollar and 5 cents with the cheeseburger. That's Oh, dude. That's, yeah. Struggle Made 105. The struggle has ultimately got us to this point and it's got us through so much. So we're never going to forget that. We're going to keep that hunger. And that's that's my social media handle. So when you hear Struggle Made 105, you hear Triumph 105, that's the inspiration behind it.
1: Well, I hope when the listeners hear the word five, too, they think that... Um if they have the moment and they can, they can maybe try and help others too as well. Cause yeah, sometimes people have that, sometimes people have that dollar, but other people need help with that five cents. Right. And,
0: people, and that, gets lost, that gets lost in the story as well. Like a guy that, that was generous enough to give, give the nigga. shout out to him. I don't know. It may be something that I feel like a moment like that never leaves your mind. I'm sure he's had to lend people money before, but I'm sure after that situation, seeing a mother with five kids, that's stuck with that guy. So if you ever hear that story, I just want to thank thank you. I want to thank you, and um, if if I can ever get in, get in touch with you, I would I would love to. I appreciate I appreciate you for that moment. You just you just don't know how much how much it meant for yeah. a mother with five kids.
1: And you never know, whatever it is, the amount of generosity or whenever it is that you try and go out and you help people, that five cents created a catalyst that created a national title. Football player and also went on to the NFL and now he's got his own clothing line. You know what I mean? So, like a nickel to this is, you know, always trying to remember that everyone out there for, you know, whenever you're thinking about lending a helping hand, even if it is small, you never know what happens after that, man. Freddie, uh, such a pleasure, man. Um, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you so much for taking the time. We ran over a little long, man, but I was having a great time talking to you. Wishing you well, nothing but the best, man. I'd love to have you come back, dude. You know, anytime. I, don't
0: know. I forgot to plug my book. It's on Amazon. Yeah, it's it's available on all platforms, but Amazon is is where most people are behind it. So feel free to get that. It's available on all platforms where books are sold. Ebook, paperback, make feel free to buy that, and make sure you leave, make sure you leave a review for everybody out there that's that's wondering about the book. In fact, I had a lot of people get the book, but they're not they're not leaving reviews. And I I love to do it because I'm a guy that I would buy like go to a restaurant. And I wouldn't leave a review online, but now that I'm a business owner, I, I learn how much it truly matters. So make sure you leave a review.
1: I'm in the same boat, dude. People text me and they're like, hey, man, great pod today. I'm like, just do the rating thing. Help us with the algorithm. We're not, you know what I mean? Help us with that math out there as best as you possibly can. Freddie, I got to tell you, uh, I'm a fan. I'm a supporter of yours, dude. I'm wishing you nothing but the best moving forward in the future. And hopefully, maybe you can come uh, back on the pod down the road, maybe and talk some football and talk more about your life.
0: Oh, definitely. Whenever whenever you want to have me listen to the season, I feel like it's going to be a crazy season. And even, although things didn't go well for me in Chicago, I'm, I'm forever indebted to Chicago because they gave me opportunity. And this this Trials and Triumph doesn't happen without Chicago. So I'm a Bears fan for, for the rest of my life and I, I appreciate them and I'm always rooting for them. I got a lot of guys still there that I play with. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they do this year.
1: Bear down, and uh, yeah, go Christian Jones, right? He's a glue guy, and don't think fans don't know that he's a glue guy, and we 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 did not, we definitely missed him when he left the team. Today's episode of Believe in Bears was brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you go to the website because you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty awesome. Today's episode is also brought to you by moink box if you want free bacon for the entire year make sure you head to moink box and use the b-l-e-a-v promo code you can get that for sure be well be safe please be good to each other we will talk soon and we will talk next week